some creativity. Creativity for the society. The Process Podcast. That's rad. It's the Process Podcast, episode 179. And today, Zach Watson, we are joined by a fellow Humber grad, a fellow offsite cohort two finisher. We are joined today by Santiago Varela. Santiago, welcome to the Process welcome, Podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. We uh, we tried to do this last week, and technology was not on our on our side. <laughs> and today, we're hoping that technology is on our side. And so far. Things seem to so be going far, so swimmingly. Good. So far, so good. Yeah. And uh, we won't get too ahead of ourselves, but um, how, how are you doing, Santiago? How's life? Life is good, man. Uh, yeah. Staying healthy and uh, good. you know, emotionally stable, which is very important these days. And wow. just, yeah, mm-hmm. looking Props forward to, for to what's next. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. You, you, on the, on the health thing, you had a, is it, is it correct in saying that you had, that you contracted COVID-19? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough on the body, but fortunately I was lucky that it didn't hit me that hard and yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm all good now. Good. That's good. good. How long did it, how long did it last for you? Like symptom wise? I'd say about a week. Um, really? The first two days were like just a regular flu. Then three days after that was like really like a lot of pain in my body. I couldn't get up. Um, all my wow. articulations hurt. Like it just, it was tough on the body itself. I didn't have a bad cough or anything, so that was good. Um, mm. But yeah, typically, typically a healthy, a healthy guy you are. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I you, try uh, at least. You drink green smoothies? Uh, no, just water. Oh, okay. A lot of so water. Okay, so you're you're halfway there. Then you got to yeah, get... almost there. You're almost there. Once once you get into the the green smoothie game, then then you can truly call yourself a, a healthy person. Green I think that's not a, game. that's not an official requisition, but, and I'm not a doctor. I oh, c- should not? be, I should be. I was going to say, pretty sure. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty Why sure not? you should be a doctor. Why not? Why not? Other, well, other than the fact that I'm of mediocre intelligence and have no medical background at all, probably wouldn't go over too well. You still um, know what's up. I still know what's up. I try my best. I try. Uh, so Santiago, take us back to like where, cause you, cause you're, you're also a fellow Humber grad from industrial design. You graduated the year before myself and Zach. Um, and to be honest, I didn't know you, I knew you like to see you in the hallway, but I didn't know and still don't for the, for a large part, a whole lot about how you got into design and how you, how you end up studying industrial design at, at Humber college. So you want to uh, you want to take us back on a little on a little origin story trip and and see where your story comes from. Sure. Um, so ever since I was uh, younger, I was really captivated by art and design, um, particularly consumer goods and furniture. Um, I remember as a kid, my mom has always had a really good taste in furniture, and I was always. Uh, really captivated by the taste that she had and the furniture that she chose for um, the apartment that we lived in. And that's really 
I feel like that's really when my interest in design started to come out. Um, then I started to get more into drawing and painting. Uh, my mom used to make fun of me because she, she used to say that my drawings were really bad. And to this oh. day, she <laughs> says that she's amazed by how good I draw now as compared to when I was little. Because she had to help me with my drawings in school. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so that kind of evolved from there into um, looking at Apple design and their first concepts like the iPhone, the first iPhone, the first few iPods too. The way that um, they interacted with the user, it really amazed me and it really interested me. Um, and then it kind of all started to go from there. And I... I want, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what the name for that career was. Mm -hmm. um, I knew I wanted to design products, but I didn't know where you could go to school for this or what program you would need to take. So it took me some research. I looked at um, what does, what did Johnny Ive go to school for? Um, mm -hmm. And then that's when I found, oh, it's in, it's called industrial design. Because at right. first I was leaning more towards architecture, like a lot of people that mm -hmm. don't know about design um because at school they at my high school they didn't really teach us much about industrial design or mm -hmm. there's more architecture and engineering and uh but i did have support from uh my uh, uh it uh i had like an it class in a computer science class and he knew a little bit about design and he kind of uh, gave me specific projects that could push my interest in design. So I remember doing a watch, a little uh, early concept of like a, a smart watch back in when I was in grade 11. Um, okay. And then, yeah, it, it kind of started to evolve from there. Have there always been people like early on in your life, like your IT teacher who kind of recognize that passion that you have for this, this specific thing and help cultivate that? Yeah, for sure. Like, I remember my art teacher, too. Like, um, there were some projects where I kind of wanted to do more, like, something more like my own direction. It wasn't necessarily the prerequisite that she had set for any specific project. So I kind of I kind of was allowed a little bit of freedom through my art teacher and my IT uh, teacher in high school to kind of explore more the areas that interest me so um i remember my it teacher he started to introduce me to um autocad and google sketchup and during these platforms that's like that was my first take into cad and designing in 3d and i remember doing like a house uh and like downloading like the car of my dreams and things like that and like really starting to you know uh, allow my creativity to express itself through different mediums and yeah yeah that's kind of how it started and and then I started to get more into photography um and then I I've always enjoyed painting that kind of stopped when I started design school but up until I started uh, design school I was really into painting like my parents have some paintings here in the house that I did when I was younger oh, wow. and uh, yeah I've always had that passion for art and then kind of evolved into design. Where do you think that passion comes from? I think, in all honesty, I think it has to do with my family and 
how like my mom for example she's she has particularly a really like i in my opinion she has really nice taste in fashion mm-hmm. and furniture and as well as architecture same with my dad like the, he has a very particular taste in the furniture that he buys the decorations that he buys he's really into technology um he's he's actually a computer engineer so oh, wow. um he's kind of influenced a lot of this onto me and he's always been a really handy guy so i've always seen him work on the house and like fix things himself um same with my grandfather he he's actually a war veteran but then he started um doing um he would fix a lot of things like appliances. He had a business back in Colombia um where he people would bring their appliances and he would fix them for them um cool. rather than just throwing them out. So that that idea of reusing things that still work. Um you can you can throw it away and buy something new, which is something that I see that is very normal here. But for example, living in a country where people don't have the same amount of, uh, you know, wealth, you could say they maybe give products a second chance rather than throwing them away. Mm -hmm. Right. So all of that, like my background, my family, as well as my interests have all kind of influenced where I am today. They all come together and and meet. It is a nice blend. It makes sense. Right. Like, yeah. from your mom's side, a very artistic point of view. And then from your dad's side, there's more of a hands-on engineering manufacturing type of, so I can see the both of them coming together. Industrial design just makes sense, right? That I can, I can see where that comes from. It's almost like it was baked into you from a very early age. You just had no idea. Like you said, you had no idea what it was called. The name, (laughs) you didn't know that the the name name. escapes, the name always escapes. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, also, I I remember, I didn't even know this because I wasn't even born then, but like, I remember my father telling me that my grandmother used to um, sew uh, specific garments for people. Like, she would be kind of like the the sewing lady kind of like in the town. Mm. And my grandfather, like, he was always a really hardworking person. um, And he would always pick up jobs kind of like as they came. And I'm kind of the same way and that also like has influenced me and like I'm really passionate about fashion as well and merging it with industrial design and now that I look at my family and my family traditions and kind of like what they've gone through I can clearly see how it how genetics also influences your interest in in right. the mm-hmm. careers that you pursue in your life mm-hmm. and the abilities that you um, kind of get from your from your ancestors you know mm-hmm. um, yeah and you were you came you came to Canada at a at an earlier age correct because from what I remember from our previous conversation is that you weren't you you weren't born in Canada no so I actually came it, it'll be 12 years in October wow um, mm. and yeah like I was 13 no English um i just kind of came here i the only family i had here was my uncle um and yeah i didn't really know anybody here and it was a really big change from what i was brought up i mean 
I can't say that I had a bad life in Colombia because that's not true. I had a, I actually had a pretty good life there and I had mm-hmm. everything I needed and um I lived very comfortably too, but coming here and seeing the opportunities that are available and how far you can go only if you want to. Um there's really a lot a lot less that limit a lot of th- less things that limit you to get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. For example, in Colombia, if you want to go to a prestigious school, you had to have the money or you had to have really good grades. But here, that's not the case. You don't necessarily have to have the money or the good grades. You just have to want to do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Is that is that a mentality that you've like maintained and just continued to implement into into all the things that you do, whether it's it whether it's education related or even in a working context? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I think back to um, my time at Humber, I can definitely say that I took advantage of the opportunities that I was given, but I do wish I could maybe go back and shift my um, priorities a little bit because I felt that I didn't focus enough time on, you know, I didn't spend enough time uh, making and finishing the assignments that I was given and really investing time in improving my skills. I was focused a lot on, you know, making money and working and doing both things, going to school and um, and working. And it wasn't only because I wanted to, because I had to, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my parents have given me a lot, but um, I didn't have the uh, privilege as some people do to have have their school paid for by their parents and just kind of have the freedom to just focus on school. You know, Mm -hmm. I had OSAP um, and then I also had to work to kind of like be able to meet all of my expenses. So, you know, school isn't cheap and um, living in Toronto isn't cheap either. Um, And then, so I kind of took advantage of all the jobs I had available. So I, I started, you know, um, I did some serving, some bartending, and then I started actually doing pretty well for myself, which I'm I'm happy. But now that I'm here today and I think back, I wish that maybe I would have focused more on um, being getting involved in the community, participating more in the events that the uh, ID uh, program had for us, and just kind of spending more time with design because I kind of got a a little bit of a toxic relationship with design um, Mm. when I was in school because I felt that I was rushing a lot of my projects and it gave me a lot of anxiety and I wasn't happy with the result either. So now I'm spending so much time improving my skills and that's why I took Offsite. And thanks to Offsite, I can say I've kind of fallen back in love with design because I look at it, I was given a different perspective. Mm-hmm. of design and, and how to approach it and how you can merge your passions with design and in how something meaningful and something that can give you a good life can come out of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How, how, how do you think that you can prevent or mitigate that sense of anxiety that pops up around design? Because I totally relate to that. I get that too. Mm-hmm. And I think Zach can probably say the same thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. It is for sure. And like with the technology available now, like 
you see so many talented people and you kind of compare your yourself with other people who've maybe have had other opportunities and you know it, it everybody has different experiences in their life and that's kind of like what is a, everything comes out uh, like at a result from that so i think that when you look at yourself and your work first of all you need to separate yourself from your work because you are not what you design right and the skills that you may have today doesn't mean that they're going to be the same in the future you can always improve them so i think it's it really comes down to looking at yourself a little bit in terms of like your professional career looking at yourself like objectively and say where do i want to go what do i have today that serves me in getting to that point and how can i improve it and also i think it's also about balance because you may have this relationship with design and have this anxiety because maybe you're not having a good balance in your life you know if you're happy with your life and you kind of have a good balance of you know having some free time for yourself doing things you love that make you happy and then also doing the things that you are required to do to be able to find a job like a good example is cad i'm not that great at cad i haven't been when i was at humber you know like that was always a little bit of a challenge for me and today still is but it's something that i need to improve that i'm kind of taking more time with and slowly uh trying to get better at um but yeah it just it, it really comes down to looking at looking at it from another perspective and thinking how how could this how can i make myself better but enjoying the process of it yeah right um yeah it's so important to to like you said separate yourself from your work so you you ultimately then don't become self-obsessed and don't and then because if you do let that connection grow too strong and you think of yourself as the work that you're doing as the end product that you're putting out there into the world as soon as soon as someone shits on that thing that you do you're automatically interpreting that as they're shitting on you as well and then that does nothing but negative things for your self-esteem and just continues to just drag and, and pull you down which is which is i think why people can fall out of love with design and with like industrial design and the whole creative process in general because it gets self-sabotaged in a way exactly and i mean looking back at humber like not to um talk badly about humber because i really enjoyed my time there and i think i learned valuable things but i think that the competitive environment that they set up for students can be a little bit toxic where you are competing against each other rather than empowering each other which is a big difference from example mm-hmm. offsite where you you were given assignments but you had the freedom to approach them in a way that made you better in whatever areas you wanted to improve mm-hmm. right it wasn't necessarily this is what it is and this is what you have to do it's like i don't know i remember seeing this image of like different animals and like the test is like to climb a tree well everybody's different not everybody is good at different things you know and i think that that's a problem with education today um it really isn't tailored to the different ways that people learn 
you know, everybody's different. Everybody has different abilities. The fact that you're not good at math doesn't mean you're, you're dumb. Maybe you're good at other things, but it's just school should really focus on finding those abilities that people have and making them better and not kind of generalizing how everybody learns. You know what I mean? It's, it's a bit of a complex topic, but I think that, for example, Offsite did really well in really giving us the chance to express ourselves through our work and kind of give it a different perspective. Like, it, it is fun. Like, I enjoyed everything I did at Offsite, and I feel like I yeah. learned a lot. And now I want to apply all of this knowledge to my work, but it's because I was given a different perspective that I look at things the way I do now. That's an interesting way of of pointing that out. And I totally agree that the way that education exists now is, is satisfactory for the general norm of what education is, but within the context of design is there should be there should be a different approach because you're not teaching something like accounting or engineering or physics or anything like that. There's there's so much more in there's so much more involved in it than just pure academic practices. Yeah. There's like there's an yeah. evolution and like understanding how to style something, understanding form. You can't just read a textbook and understand everything there is to know. It's you learn that through the art of doing it as opposed to simply reading about it or even just reading it on a handout or doing a simple yeah. two two pages of sketches as an exercise is not enough to get you to fully understand and fully learn that. But the way that the education system sets it up is that you do this assignment, which is two pages of form development. And then by the end of it, now you've figured out your form within two pages, which just doesn't happen. It just, it doesn't no. work that way. Yeah. But also, also you have like, not everyone, especially being a design program, especially industrial design with how broad it is and how it encompasses so many different smaller avenues right of, of areas of design like not everyone in the program wants to do the same mm -hmm. you know type of design like wants to go down the same path and like i know we've talked about it dylan of like you know the amount of times that throughout the four years we thought yeah this is what the, i'm going to go down this path specifically yeah. and then like a month or two later or the next year you, you're like actually i'm not so much interested in that i kind of like this and then you're always mm -hmm. changing and trying to you know in a situation where they kind of expect everyone they don't expect it but it kind of feels that way sometimes as a student that they expect everyone to be good at and want to be able to be you know top tier at all these different skills and yeah. and areas right and i i know i meant i it, I definitely relate to the whole competitive feeling, especially like in, in first year, right? I mean, that was, you know, it'd be interesting, Santiago, to hear your experience in, uh, of your, of a first year ID, because I know everyone we've talked to, I mean, I think like all I can remember is maybe two people that actually had a positive experience in first year. Yeah. Um, and and most people not again not to say anything bad about the program but it's that it's that competitive nature especially in first year where everyone's trying to figure out where they kind of 
you know, sit in the rankings of the class, right? And on the wall, like who's standing out, who's not standing out. And that feeling of, you know, I totally agree. I wish I could go back and kind of try to switch my mindset a bit with a lot of situations where, you know, and hopefully, and I wish I could go back and kind of not care as much about that. Yeah, pretty much. But not care about that competition of, you know, seeing someone's sketch on the wall and, you know, during a, a critique with Catherine and she's loving the sketch and, you know, after she just ripped into my sketch pr- before or something and you're like, that competitive, you know, feeling kicks in. You're like, I want to beat that person and that's all I need to devote my time to kind of thing. And mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, well, maybe that's what they're better at. You know, maybe I'm sketching isn't going to be my thing, but I'll get better at it, but I'm going to focus on just improving, you know, what I want to improve and, you know, I, I'm sure you had that Dylan as well. And mm-hmm. I'm time. sure we all had that, you know, first year was a, it was a, it was an interesting year. First year sucked. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the thing, I guess the thing about me, I guess I had a little bit of a ease into first year because I took foundations. Okay. Um, so I, with the, with my grades and the portfolio I had, I had no chance at being accepted into industrial design. Right. Mm-hmm. But the alternative I was given was you can try foundations, which I'm really glad I took because I learned the foundations of design first. And then after that program was when I was like, you know what? Industrial design is really what I want to do. This is this is it for me. This is I made a good choice by wanting to do it. And so going back to um first year, and I think a lot of the times I've felt that, okay, you're telling me what I'm doing wrong, but you're not telling me how I can improve it. How, if I'm doing this wrong, what's the solution? Or you're giving me this project, how would you do it? I want to see how you would do this project. I want to see how you would approach it because that's how I learned from, from, Mm -hmm. from your teachings. Right. But, and also another thing is in design school, I mean, I've, a lot of times I felt that they taught, they taught you the process and this is the process, but everybody has a different process in getting to the, fin- to the finished product, right? Mm-hmm. What's yours? I felt like that, that could have been a better approach into helping us develop our own process for design because essentially that's what's going to give us a job. Yeah. If, we, if everyone that graduates from Humber has the same process, would make it very challenging for people to get a job and to really compete against each other. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think if, which again, referring back to offsite, I think that's another great thing about offsite is like everybody has their own process to come up with a solution. What's yours? Show us, you know? Mm -hmm. And for example, in our sketching class, we had Kelly say, the value of your sketch isn't the sketch itself. It's the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. And how, how did I learn that five years after going to Humber? Yeah. Why didn't, why didn't I learn that in foundations? <laughs> why wasn't I shown this part of sketching from the first place? Like I remember studio classes and I remember sketch class, sketching classes being critiqued on the quality of the sketch rather than the quality of the idea. So mm-hmm. I found myself repetitively focusing on the quality of the sketch rather than the idea behind it. 
right? right. So I think that that was a, a big problem there because for so many, for the five years, I thought that the, the important thing was to have a good sketch, but it, it really, that doesn't matter because if, if your bad, if your idea isn't good, then your sketch is pointless. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, like, that's where I look at how important it is that the professors have relevant experience to today's practices. Because you look at some some of our professors, not to say that they don't know things, but they are very knowledgeable, but a lot of their current knowledge is outdated, mm-hmm. right? right? And maybe where they worked or where they where they acquired this they, where they got this experience they they saw that the quality of the sketch was very important right but with today's tools and today's technology there's so many ways that you can come up that you can express your ideas so another thing that i felt could be improved back back at humber was maybe the some of the profs should be more open to the different mediums of sketching are, you know, like I remember asking, can we sketch digitally? And some would say yes, some would say no. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you look at the practices done today, 2021. Yeah. Most people sketch digitally. Why? Because it's more efficient. It doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm good at sketching on paper or not, can you present your ideas effectively? and communicate with your team effectively where everybody knows the ideas that that you're trying to express to everyone. That's really what it comes down to. Not the quality of your sketch. The quality of your sketch doesn't matter. Right. Right. So it's things like that where education needs to be a little bit more modernized and Mm -hmm. taken a look at. And for example, like the experience team, I'd all say like, that's amazing, man. Like, Mm -hmm dedicating a specific team to ensuring that everyone's happy. That's how they've been able to two cohorts and look at the, the quality of education that they're willing to provide, mm-hmm. that they're able Fantastic. to provide. Exactly. And how in this is done virtually. Imagine yeah. if this could be done in person where you could interact with other designers in person, mm-hmm. where you could work more with your hands. You know, it's, I feel like, a lot of uh, educational institutions can learn from offsite and how they approach educating people on design. I totally agree. And are like, are these gaps that you're identifying like the gaps between the difference of the quality of a sketch versus the quality of, of the idea? Was this something that you kind of reconciled with and understood after you graduated or was this something that popped up during your time at a traditional education institution. Yeah. So when I look at the gaps that I felt I had when I graduated, so I honestly, when I graduated, I didn't feel that I was, that I had the, the necessary skills to uh, be able to provide the quality of work that the standard of the industry is, you know? And I thought that it was because of myself. I thought it was because I wasn't good enough. But later, I came to realize that these gaps were actually set by the school. And 
the way that we were educated it's not it wasn't me it was the fact that some of the skills that were missing weren't really taught or i didn't really get them because they were only set on one particular way of teaching it and maybe that didn't click for me but it did for some other people you also got to consider not everybody has the same time available to uh be able to work on these projects and some people had the support from their parents or from other people that allowed them to grow more and set skill mm-hmm. right so now that i look at kind of like the gaps i i cuz i still have gaps in my opinion but i can confidently say now that i can work for a company and i can produce the the quality of work that they expect mm-hmm. but it's because i look at things different now it's is not about the quality of a render is not about the quality of a sketch is not about the quality of uh uh a digital render it's about the quality of the idea itself if you are producing good ideas and you have a good process in finding solutions for set problems that's all that matters mm-hmm. you can you can improve on cad you can improve on sketching you can improve on all these skills that allow you to communicate your ideas but essentially the point of being a designer is to come up with good ideas and good solutions for companies that you know and to communicate well with your teammates and to you know th- mm-hmm. these things are more important like i would rather be better at communicating with fellow designers and fellow engineers than being good at cad or mm-hmm having another skill that I know I can improve through practice right mm-hmm. but these other skills that are more important aren't looked at the same at school like they they show you that these other skills are more important but really is how how you think of a, how you think as a designer and that's what should really be stimulated in school because the other skills you can learn on your own you can watch youtube tutorials and learn cad obviously not the same as having a prof kind of be by your side and things like that but i think priorities need to shift a little mm-hmm. in terms of like this the necessary skills to produce quality work in the industry that was that was very well spoken Santiago, yeah, i totally off. agree that was very well spoken how do you, how do you validate or justify or even um, feel confident in yourself that an idea that you have is a good idea does it does it does it really fulfill the the brief or the 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 problem that you're designing for when you look at this product and you look at the way it 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 um it works with the user it interacts with the user is it really solving the the, the problem that you, that that was set from the beginning right i think that in that ter- in those terms like if 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 a product is does fulfill that need that you're designing for then it is successful. Mm-hmm. So, that's kind of how I, how I look at it like mm-hmm. and also is it is it something that can last through many years and still be relevant? Yeah. Right? Cuz you look at products now and in, in the in the ways companies, the way some companies operate, they focus on consumerism and selling and selling and selling. But you really need to think about the moment 
from making this product to when it comes to an end? What happens to that product? Where is it going? Where is it going to end up? You know, mm-hmm. where, where are the, how do the materials that you made this with, where are they going to end up? What are they going to do with them? You know? And I think that's important. I think we need to really think about with the technology that we have now, we need to think about the entire journey of a product, you know, and really making it so that each each product that you design has a purpose even after it's being used by the user mm. you know what's happening to it could could it maybe be uh you know serviced and and uh fixed so that it works again so that it may be available for people that have maybe less money to afford that, that have that can't afford the same product but now you're kind of giving someone else an opportunity to to be able to to enjoy the experience of this product and then mm-hmm. i don't know the, the way i think about the the life of a product whether it's a vehicle whether it's a piece of furniture whether it's um any type of electronic d- device i think about it like i told you like my grandfather used to work uh fixing things for people i think that's a that's a step that needs to be incorporated in in many companies because we have the technology we have everything today to make that happen when you because everything is looked at from the the point of profit so fixing this doesn't really give me profit right everything is designed around that and i understand a company needs to make money but until that priority changes then I don't think we're going to see a change. I think the change has to come from the consumer. The consumer needs to shift the way that they look at products and, and how they affect our lives and, and the role that they have in our lives. Like I'm, I'm very passionate about products that last through someone's lifetime and can be passed on through generations because those are the ones that have true meaning. I think I would rather buy something of something of higher quality that costs more than buy something cheaper and buy it multiple times because when you think about it you're actually spending more money. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I don't know, I just the way I think about products is maybe a little bit different than what we've been taught in the way that you know, a lot of companies look at look at it. Yeah. Um I think that the certain areas certain products there's like this monopoly of companies that just kind of control everything and and i think there needs to be more smaller companies that produce unique products and are able to think about like i said where is this product going to end up someday like I look at Apple. I mean, it's a good, it's a big company, right? But mm-hmm. they allow they give you the option of returning the your old phone and getting a new one, and then they go through the practice of reusing what's still good and then uh, disposing of the rest how it should be disposed of. 
mm-hmm. right? I think it's the company's responsibility to think about how the product will be disposed, not the consumers. Right. Because mm. who would know how to properly dispose of a product better than the manufacturer? That's very true. Right? So, yeah, that's kind of like my whole, I guess, ideology on, on products and what I want to design for in the future. Mm-hmm. Where do you see that interjecting into your own personal design practice? Like, is that starting a company or is that integrating that into the work that you do, say, in a professional context? Or like, what? how can you take that? insight that mantra if you will for lack of a better word and inject that into your into your practice so i mean this might be a little bit ambitious but um we're all about ambition here i ideally i would want to do a little bit of a hybrid between both Mm. so i would love to start my own practice and set these values for a company or a product that i offer that fulfill those things that i need that i feel that are missing in the industry today but also i want to work for big corporations because or not big corporations i want to work for a bigger team that can that i can learn from because i if i start my own practice yes i can learn as i go but when you work for for example ideally i want to work for an agency why because i don't want to focus on set product i want to focus on the practice itself and improving it mm-hmm. and being able to not being able to be given a problem to solve and not necessarily know anything about it but becoming knowledgeable and interviewing users and practicing using the product itself and then becoming more familiar with it and learning like that part I love like I think back to design school why do I why did I enjoy the most being given different projects throughout the year and having to learn about who uses this product, what do they want from it? How can it be improved? What's missing in the market? Things like that. Like I want to improve through time, my process in Mm -hmm. coming up with solutions and my, my design process itself. Like, being able to influence it from different people, like I said, that know more than I do. I, I'm really eager to learn from other people. So I would want to start my own thing on the side and then work with eight different agencies that align with my values in a way. A good example of this would be Fuse Project. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that the way that they approach their solutions and the way that they... Y- they are an agency, yet you see their design language throughout all of their products. You can almost think that it's a brand that they have and they have all these different products. But no, they're designing for all these different clients. They just have their own unique approach. And they have considerations and they help the environment. They help socially. Um, they have um, incentives where... They go to developing countries and help people in different ways. And I want to do that. If I ever have a successful business and I have a lot of money, I don't want to, obviously I want nice things, but I want, what I want the most is to be able to help other people who don't have the same opportunities that we do. Because when you think about it, 
wherever you are born defines kind of like in a way defines your future defines your fate Mm -hmm. and i you know i could have been born somewhere else in the world and my future and my opportunities are set by that right i was given the opportunity to come here and now by being here i have all of these opportunities and i have all of this knowledge and i have all of these things available to me so that I can make of him what I want. But not everybody has that opportunity. Not many people wish they could just go to school, right? And here, a lot of people just take it for granted. Mm. Oh, that's how it is, you know, because they haven't seen how other people have, what, what other people have to go through just to get by. In a way, I've kind of seen that. Mm-hmm. I've I've lived in a developing country where I've seen poor people. I I wasn't poor. I've never been poor, thankfully. But I've seen the struggle that people have to go through just to be able to eat or just to be able to pay rent. You know? So in a way, through design, I want to be able to help other people who don't have the same amount of opportunities that other people have. Wow. I th- I love that that's 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 a remarkable insight for someone who is like you're not even 30 yet you're 24 yeah yeah you're 24 and you have 25 that, sorry 25 okay jeez you are ancient you have that kind of you, you have that kind of perspective and that kind of insight into a larger scale of things like dedicating in this case, your creative practice to an act of service and giving back, I think is, is one of the most, I don't even know what the right word is, but it's one of the most fulfilling things that one can do is committing to a consistent act of service. And that's, it goes back to kind of why Zach and I started this was we, this is something that we would have wanted to hear and have access to when we started our journey into design as well. And that it just wasn't around no one had done it yet and if if even if one or two people listen to this and pick it up and as they're starting their design school career say in september as they're starting school whether it's at humber or at carlton or at or at scad or like rit like wherever even art center it's it's a it's different perspectives but it's it's still a shared perspective and it's giving back and contributing to that act of service of sharing knowledge and being able to use I hate to use the word privilege but in this case using our privilege of having that experience and sharing that with other people I think like you spoke about is is a phenomenal thing like you spoke about seeing people who had to work like insane hours simply to eat food and simply to make money and pay rent and even if they are paying rent, they're probably just able to cover it before it goes right back out and they have to try and do it all over again. And it's, yeah, a, it's a vicious it's, cycle. Exactly. And like, I mean, us here in North America and many other developed countries, we have the opportunity to do something we love as a living. And, you know, the, thinking back to uh, the reference to Ikigai mm-hmm. in, um, Spencer's class like like what do you love what's your passion what are you good at what can you be paid for what does the world need 
I think it's a balance of all of those things that come into one, your profession. So passion, mission, profession, vocation. So something I want to do something I love, something I'm passionate about, something I can be paid for fairly so that I may have a comfortable life, something that helps the world in a way. So I'm giving something back because in anything you do, just by existing, just by being present, you're taking something away from the world. Mm. And what are you giving back? Right? The water that you consume, the garbage that you put out a week over your life, over your lifetime, that has an impact on the world. So what are you doing to give back a little? You know, if everyone gave back a little, just $5 a month to help someone someone feed themselves that that could that would solve every, like poverty in the world mm-hmm. you know the problem is not that people aren't giving a lot it's the problem is that no one's giving a little if everyone just did a little to to give back for what they take we would be somewhere completely different mm-hmm. and that's just how it like that's kind of what i think about um what I think about in terms of our, our impact on the world and, and our practice. And I think that through design, we can improve the world. I think I am one of those guys that I think that I want to make the world a better place through design. And I think it's possible. I totally agree completely. Yeah. Like no question about it. It's for me, I struggle with the, I struggle with the how. And justifying it to myself. I totally, totally believe it's possible. But I think for me, a part of it is like a naive belief where I know it's doable. I know whether I can do it or you can do it or Zach can do it or someone else we know can do it. It can be done. It's just the how that is like a blank page in my mind where there should be, there should be something written there. And I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, some may think that it's not possible because there's so many things that need to be done or need to be there in order for it to become a reality. But the way that I think you should think about it is what what can I do? Don't think about what other people can do or what it needs, what what it takes for it to be real change. Obviously, for for it to be real change, there needs to be so many people that do something for the solution. But you can't really consider or affect what other people do you can only think about what you do so the way i think about it is when i go to bed every night i want to think to myself you know what i did what i could to be a a genuine good person and to have a good impact in the world whether it's throwing out your garbage in the designated area or whether it's walking by downtown and seeing a homeless person and getting them a a five dollar uh, meal what are you doing to help the world in in some way in whatever way you can because i'm not saying you should give a percentage of your income when you can hardly fulfill your 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 financial needs right but i'm saying is you can help in some way little big or small how are you doing this and i think that that's that's kind of like the way i approach it and um that's kind of like my mantra, I guess. Hmm. 
I think that's a really valuable thing to acknowledge, especially early on, is you're almost uncovering your why as to why mm-hmm. you do these things and why why you are pursuing design in the first place. It's to help give back and help contribute with those acts of service and give back for what you're taking in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Like, is, what were you going to go, say? I was going to say, is, does that contribute to why you decided to participate in Offsite in the first place? Yeah, I mean, just by... Really, the reason why I decided to participate in Offsite was because how I really found out about it was through the podcast that they have. Mm-hmm. And I uh, listened to the people talk about their experience with it and how it influenced their career and how they shared the same frustrations I did mm-hmm. and how they also felt lost like I did. So I... I felt that someone understood me in a way that someone understood. I, I, I didn't feel alone. So I had this frustration with my skills and with design that I thought that I wasn't good enough for the world. You know, I, I didn't think that my knowledge was sufficient to be able to make a living out of it. And when I found offsite, I, I, that changed that, I was given a different perspective. I was surrounded with people who felt the same way I did and who were there for me when I, when I had some questions about certain things or in, uh, in just to know that they're still there and that I have support when I feel lost in a way in whatever areas I, I do. It's, it's very fulfilling and also looking at what other people are doing and other I guess it really has come with the maturity that I've gained throughout the years, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, and I think that maturity comes at different ages for different people because different people have different experiences throughout their life. I think the way I do because of the experience that I've had throughout my lifetime and how I had to become independent on my own at age 18. I left the house and I was on my own and it's not because my dad, my parents didn't want to help me, but it's because they've, they've, I thought that they did what they could up to that point And I felt that I, I could take it from here. Right. Mm-hmm. But some other people have the, the uh, advantage of still have support from their parents so that they may focus on whatever areas that interest them and whatever areas could benefit them in the future. And wh- whoever's listening and, whoever has that opportunity take it take as much as you can from that because some people like myself i'm not saying that i had a bad life not at all but i did have to work more than other people did like i remember back in in at humber like my roommates would go to a party on a friday night and i'd maybe see if i can if i can go after my shift who what that normally ended around 2 a.m Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, I think it, it all comes down to just like living in the moment and what thinking about the past is really useless unless you're reflecting from it because you can't change it. You c- you can only take 
what you've learned from it and apply it to your future so that you don't make the same mistakes again. But it really is written. It, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. You can only do what take. You can only control what's next, mm-hmm. and that's what should be. That's what you should focus on, in my opinion. The past has already happened. Exactly. So don't don't worry too much about it. What's the What's the quote from Tenet, Zach? That Robert Pattinson. Oh, what's character happened has happened. About? Yeah, what's happened has happened. There's no there's no sense fretting or worrying about it. Like it's it's been there, it's done. You can't change mm-hmm. that. You can't change that. Unless somebody why, invents time travel. Yeah. Why focus your energy on something that can be changed? Focus that same energy that you're putting into the past to the future. Mm-hmm. You know, like what can you do? with the skills the abilities the knowledge that you have today how can you take this and apply it to ikigai where you can make a living out of it mm-hmm. right so what's next for you then what comes after we finished offsite two almost two weeks ago now week and a half ago now man so, i'm wishing like i'm the more i hear you to talk about it it's like man you got to do it it sounds amazing yeah. i I, I wish I could have at least tried to apply for it, but just at the time, I just didn't have the money for it. You got but, the summer cohort coming up. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, I mean, just from listening to it, because I, I totally relate in, like, feeling that, like, loss. Like, you've graduated, and I you almost feel the pressure of, like, well, if I did four years of this, I should know what I'm doing. And if I can't get a job, then that's probably just, I suck, I guess. Right. And it's really easy to fall into that. And that's where I'm kind of battling right now of like, well, is it, is it me? Or I know it's a little bit me. It has to be a little bit me, but is it just me or is it the program not maybe for fulfilling or preparing enough or, or what? But then when I, when I hear you guys talk about offsite in that way and the way they are, you know, looking at it a different perspective of teaching and learning uh, design, right? Like it, it definitely seems like, like when you guys talk about the whole, you know, like how make sure everyone's doing all right and how they're learning and being a little more open to doing it a different way, depending on how people learn differently. Right. And, and that focus on like, I mean, from what I'm hearing, it's like the focus on the why and the story and the, and the, um, the ideas, right. Rather than the actual hard skills per se. Right. It's focused on stuff that's making you going to make you stand out and going to, you know, ultimately bring new ideas, um, rather than the, the skills that you're just naturally going to get better over years of practice right mm-hmm. and, and especially that whole uh the atmosphere it sounds like of of actually helping each other yeah. not saying we didn't help each other in humber i mean for me at least my best memories were the all-nighters in the shop right where you're yeah you're all there and you're you're giving feedback and you're helping each other out and whatever but that um i wish i could experience that of a design learning design in a way that wasn't didn't feel competitive you didn't have that worry of like in the back of your mind knowing that like okay well i gotta beat all these other people or something Mm -hmm. you know it 
it seemed it seems like a really refreshing thing that I know you and I Dylan were talking about it not too long ago about you know education so like old school yeah like it's been the same forever essentially Mm -hmm. and for some types of programs some some type of subjects that works but for other things that are especially things that are kind of a niche right or are a bit different from what a lot of people know like design um it doesn't really work you know it could it could be improved a lot Mm-hmm. right but, completely um, yeah and i mean when you think of the price point at offsite what that equals to what a semester at humber maybe around that yeah around yeah. around there around, around there. there depending but, on how bad the canadian dollar is but yeah <laughs> but what you get out of it is definitely more than the knowledge that you get from a semester so mm-hmm. each class each person that's teaching you like the val like the I think the price that you pay for outside is a lot more than fair. Mm-hmm. It's what you get for that price is insane. Like mm-hmm. you get support, you get community, you get a mentor, you get these six. Di- I think it's seven now, six or seven now. I think they added one more course. Yeah, they did. So you get all these courses, all of this breadth of knowledge that you can reference to years from today if you want, right? So I think the value that you get for your money at Upside is so worth it. Mm -hmm. I had the same thought as you. Like I was debating whether I should go into it or not because I had the money, but they were my savings. That's what I had. I, you know, I made this money to help me progress in my future, but I thought, Mm -hmm. you know what? This is definitely a good decision. And today, after finishing it, I think it was the best decision I could have made. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. I'm in, I'm in exactly the same boat, um, like completely same situation. I had the money. It was all savings. I could comfortably pay for it. And there was there was like the two days before you had to confirm uh, that you would be attending. And I remember yeah. showing it to my parents and saying like, this is this thing that I'm considering doing. I was accepted into it. It's probably a real thing. These are, I'm pretty sure these are real people. Do you <laughs> think this is a good idea? And they're like, well, if you think it's a good idea, then go for it and try it. And there was definitely like a just rip the bandaid off moment of send the money away and hope that it works out. And I think there's always a, a point in time where you question whether or not you're making the right decision and you, you, you fear, I think it, and I think it comes back to like a fear of failure. You feel that, or you fear that by spending this 3,200 and whatever dollars it was that, Oh, that's like, that's three and a half thousand bucks that I'm now never going to get back. And what if I don't like this thing? What if I don't get value out of it? What if it's, what if it falls short? What if I fail in it? And that's all like totally internal based and just all internal speak that kind of isn't necessary. And by the end of it, I'm surprised at how little it costs for how yeah. much Same. we got out of it. 
yeah, there same, was like, like just a vast wealth of knowledge. Yeah, more than I, like it was way more than I expected. And I remember thinking back to like the reference that Dylan made when like you had to confirm that you'd be attending. I'm like, I was sitting down thinking to myself, okay, like this is the money I had saved up that I was hoping to use now that the COVID thing is happening, that I don't have a job. I still have my bills. What am I going to do if I can't have a job during this time? And there's so many thoughts. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to really be able to focus fully on it because I need to pay my bills. I need to work. But the other time that I have free, I can invest in it. And so I had this debate. I'm like, I wish I could just completely focus on this thing and just put all of my time and energy to it. But I knew that wasn't the case. And I accepted that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do my best I can. That I, I learned about other people's experiences where they had a full-time job and they still did it and they got so much out of it. And that's where I told myself, you know what? I'm just going to do it and I'll figure it out halfway through or whatever if I need to work more or less to fulfill my my uh, financial needs but mm-hmm. yeah it was it's a tough decision but I'm glad I I took the the right decision I think the tough decisions are often the ones that reap the most rewards mm-hmm. at the end of the day you have to struggle to make a decision if you're if there's a lot of things that you're that you're balancing in your brain of is this a good idea should I do this is this is this worth it if those types of questions are existing in your brain as you're pondering this, whatever decision you make, whether it's a yes or a no, accepting or declining, it's most likely the right decision, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would yeah. agree with that. Mm-hmm. So basically, Zach, what we're telling you is that you need to try offsite. And, and <laughs> I, I want to. It sounds, and invest, and it invest in Invest in yourself, basically, is, is what it yeah, comes Yeah, it really is. Isn't it? Investing mm-hmm. in yourself, yeah. And I don't see it going away. Like there's a, there's no. a summer cohort now. There's two summer cohorts now, like breaking into design and the leveling up, which is what Santiago and I were a part of. And I have no doubt that that'll be returning for fall, for a fall cohort, maybe a winter cohort, maybe a spring cohort. Yeah. It's, it's tough to say, like, it's tough to say where it's going to stop. Yeah. And I, for sure, just one little thought there. It will for sure get better. Every mm-hmm. every cohort, it'll get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope it. I I hope it gets big enough where, like, I mean, I'd really hope that actual other institutions would would notice it and see it and be like, okay, we need to change something and you know evolve what has been put in place for essentially hundreds of years of school and you know because yeah from what i'm hearing from you guys like it just sounds so like it just sounds new right mm-hmm. like with how times are now like you know like we were talking about earlier you know so much of humber it's not just humber it's all, most industrial design programs you know it's all the emphasis on more traditional skills and aspects you know where the Mm -hmm. the quality of you know hand sketches pen on paper and Mm -hmm. marker rendering and certain model making and you know it it, it's stuff 
that's important, but with nowadays with, you know, with new technologies and new devices and new ways to achieve the same goal, but in a more efficient way, you know, it, we need schools and, and programs like that courses to open up to these things, right. And kind of adopt these and, and, emphasize those a lot more right change the the mindset you know change the mindset of the pro- program itself right of yeah what they're trying to teach essentially completely, completely. Yeah. You know? they i feel like education now like the traditional education in design sets more value on your skills rather than how you think as a designer mm. and ideally how you think as a designer is what's going to get you a job not your skills, because your skills can be improved anytime. The skills are your tools in expressing your ideas. But the true value of a designer is their ideas and their approach to finding solutions to the problems that we have today. That's the value. Hmm. Very true. Very true. Love Santiago, as, as, as we wrap this up, do you have any, because you have a very unique perspective just influenced from your upbringing and what you were exposed to as a kid and how that has influenced your design practice now as a 25 year old industrial designer and curious if you have any especially after going through the off-site experience if you have any insight or pieces of advice and tokens of wisdom for people coming out coming right out of high school who are now going into um, industrial design program, whether that's at Humber or any any school for that matter, or even if it's someone who has been to school for something else and they're now returning and maybe they have that yeah that second guessing in their mind of is this the right thing to do? I mean, I know this is very like I've heard this so many times before, but it's so true. Like, if you do what you love, you're gonna be good at it. And if you're good at it, you're going to make money off of it. Like that comes secondary. I just feel like a lot of people go into these programs or go into these career paths with the emphasis of, I want to be, I want to make a lot of money. Well, do you want to hate your job? Do you want to be so stressed out from Monday to Friday that you just can't wait for it to be Saturday? I don't want to be one of those people that every week looks forward to Saturday. Mm -hmm. I want to be one of those people that, wakes up and looks forward to go to work because they're doing what they love. So when it comes to being educated in design, have your priorities, have your set goals, where you want to be, where do you want to end up? What does it take to get there? And take what serves that from school and leave the rest. So any class that you're taking, any course that you're taking, any prof that you're taking, that is giving you a set project. Make of it what you want for it so that you may get to the place that you want to end up. Don't just, because I I felt a lot during the times when I was in school that I was listening to a lot of the feedback that I was receiving from professors and, and making these changes that I felt that weren't the right changes because it didn't align with the goals that I had set for myself. It didn't align with the purpose that I have set for each project, for example. Now, I want to design this. This is what I'm passionate about. I'm going to pursue it. You may not agree with it. Thank you for your feedback. But essentially, 
your grades don't matter. It's the content, the, the, the quality of what you're bringing out of that. And the fact that you got a bad grade doesn't mean you're a bad designer or the, doesn't mean that your ideas aren't good enough. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Just put passion into your work and live in the moment. Enjoy the process of learning and becoming more knowledgeable in all these areas that are necessary. But if you are specifically for designers, your skills are secondary. They are the tools that you are going to use to communicate your ideas. But essentially, what you should do throughout design school is learn how to think like a designer. Learn how to properly influence, be influenced by the things that are going to help you come up with the best solution possible. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to get you a job. Not how good you can sketch, not how good you can render, not how, not your model making skills. Those are all things that you can improve throughout time. Yeah. So that's all I got to say. That was very well said. I love and it. That was, that was very well said. Thanks. When, when we started this thing just before we pressed record, you talked about how you wanted to get better at articulating your thoughts and like communicating to other people and designers. And I think you're already really fantastic at it, man. That was, Thanks. you mm -hmm. spoke like so well, very eloquently, very thought out. You, you're a slow talker too, which is nice. Like you pace yourself really well. It's slow in a good way. I mean, it's, you did it, you did a, like, I had so much fun. I just, I, I don't even want to ask questions. I just want to just sit and listen to you talk. Yeah. I'm going to re-listen so. to the, I'm going to re-listen to this thing just to hear what you had to say. That means again, a lot, man. Again. That, that really means a lot because I remember in, in design school, like being like presenting my ideas. I, I, I wasn't good. I wasn't that good at expressing my, my thoughts and, and getting the idea of cross and, and, showing my point of view and presenting it effectively but throughout time and through practice i've wanted to get better and and i've seen how i've improved in it but i still want to get better and potentially inspire other people to pursue what they love because mm -hmm. that's what's going to make you happy at the end right so yeah it was really a pleasure talking to you guys uh it was really awesome to like to hear what you have to say, your your perspective on things, and that's how you're gonna learn by collaborating with other people and and listening to what other people have to say and how they look at the world, because that's you you take what you what aligns with your views, then you leave the rest and then apply that to any conversation that we have that you have with anyone, and uh, yeah, I, I I hope to. Uh, stay in touch with you guys. Uh, Absolutely, really, really awesome oh, dudes, sure. and uh, for sure, maybe we can work together one day. That would be amazing. Love to. Absolutely, fuck yeah! You're coming back on the show, ASAP. Let's do it. Like, I'm so ASAP, down, ASAP man. Oh my god. Uh, where? Hell yeah. Where? Where should we send people if they want to connect with you personally? Like, send you a message or, or reach um, out or see what you got going on. Yeah, I mean, you can um, hit me up at uh, Varela designs that's my instagram page um or you can uh, connect with me on linkedin um any yeah really if you shoot me a message on instagram and you have questions about anything 
um, I'd be more than happy to to give you what I know and offer what I can to help you uh, know get to whatever place you want to get. And yeah, it's fucking amazing, man. Awesome, it's fucking amazing. Um, any questions for Zach and I? Send them to hide at the process podcast at gmail dot com and Zach Watson. Yes, sir. What is our Instagram? Cheers. It's process underscore underscore podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much, Santiago, for yeah, thanks, coming man. on the Process Podcast. It was absolutely amazing. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed Santiago and all I had to share, and we'll see you tomorrow. The Process. Some creative assembly required.